Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. All right. This is, I just kept extending this series because there's just so much to unpack out of it, but death, burial, and resurrection. Leading up to Easter, we started talking about the last few, really the last week of Jesus's life, right, where he willingly ushered, he was ushered into Jerusalem to give himself over, knowing what was coming. So, you know, Jesus would have I mean, you know, being God and all, he knew what he was doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a 9-volt battery, guys. You know, if we, if we were those good, hardcore charismatics, we'd say the devil is working on our sound system. But sometimes we just forget to put new batteries in, and the Internet doesn't work, right? Travis, turn me up. All right, here we go. Start again. Um, What was I saying? Yeah, death, burial, resurrection. you know, the, you would think that the most fundamental aspects of Christianity would be known by and large by the church, and it's not. I'm telling you, I hear it all the time. People, and it's not, it, listen, I'm not saying we got it all figured out, we're the perfect church, we're right, everybody else is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Everybody in Christianity does know about the cross and, and, and has that in part of their theology, what we are doing that's different is focusing solely on the finished work of the cross. And I hear it all the time when I preach the fundamentals of what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection and what it means for you. People tell me, Christians, lifelong Christians will tell me, why have I never heard this before? You ever been in that situation? You know, you come out of denominationalism and you hear about Christianity but what, you, what people don't know is that Jesus lived his life perfectly, which qualified him to be the perfect lamb to be sacrificed or to give himself over to exchange places with us. His sacrifice was not needed because God was a Babylonian-type God and needed to kill something, needed to kill a human to appease his anger, There is an element of God's wrath being satisfied in the sacrifice of Christ. It's called propitiation, but it's God's wrath toward sin. It's God's anger toward the destruction that sin brings. Of course, he was upset and angry and mad with people, but not to the point where he's the kind of God that needed to kill somebody to appease his own anger. What he needed to kill was sin and death, right? And so when he went and judged in the Old Covenant... When he would judge sin and death and rebellion, 
the host would die also. It wasn't about killing people like, you know, Nimrod's gods and, and, and how child sacrifice was a thing back then. God changed the whole script through Abraham saying, yes, bring your son, however, I'm different. I will provide a lamb. Forever changing the character and perspective of who, who is this kind of God that blood needs to be shed, but he himself provides the sacrifice because no blood can actually bridge the gap and bring us into union with him. So that's what part of what Jesus experienced. He lived a perfect life which qualified him to be our substitute. On that cross, God poured all of his wrath towards sin onto Jesus. He exchanged our place with Jesus. He basically made Jesus to be sin so that we could be righteous in him. Then Jesus, and these, these are all messages, by the way, over the last few weeks. If you want to go back and catch up on this series on our YouTube or wherever, you can go back and listen to these. I'm going to skim this and get to the point today uh, on your job. Say, I have a job to do. We're going to get to that. You want to know what that is? It's actually on uh, Glenn's hat there. God's not mad at you. It's a message that we have. So in the grave, Jesus faced the kind of death that you would have faced without him. And he overcame death, meaning in him you overcome death. You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't. You have a greater reality waiting for you. You know, I mean, those final moments, we don't want to be in pain. I mean, I get that. There's a little bit of the unknown. But you can have great peace knowing that we transcend this world, right? I'm not saying give up on this world, you know, because that's a, that's a common perspective within Christianity is to look at the world as if it's hopeless, it's dark, there's no hope, just give up and try to hold on until you make it to heaven. Maybe you'll make it to heaven. Maybe you won't make it to heaven. But, you know, it's God's upset all along the way, and he's just holding all your sins against you. And you might make it in. You ever, did you grow up in that mindset? I mean, we exist to tear that mindset down. I didn't grow up in that mindset. I grew up in a heathen party mindset. So I'm glad I don't have to unlearn a lot of that religion. But it's just not focused on. It's mixture. What we hear a lot in the church is mixture. So when he rose up out of that grave... Something incredible happened. He, he offered the opportunity for us in him to experience the, the victory that he won over death, over sin, over the grave, over Hades. So when you're in him, you are over and above all of that stuff. We have been raised with him and seated in heavenly places. Now, that sounds like just kind of a bunch of theological talk and spiritual language and how does that relate to us today? It relates to us today in this. We used to be bound to the power of sin. By nature, it was just you just gravitated towards sin. But through Christ, God has done a work in you that if you tune your mind, you renew your mind to experience transformation, there is a power in you that you can actually live from. So before, when you just seem to naturally kind of choose sin... It just was easy for you. It's actually easier to live according to God's ways now because there's a power in you called righteousness. Now, it doesn't feel easier if you still think the same way that you used to think. That's the work of Christianity is to renew your mind, 
to, to change how you see yourself in light of what Christ has done in you. And that's what we want to, we focus on that every week. We are trying to help you renew your mind so that you look at yourself from your spiritual identity rather than your physical temporary identity. This is real. It's part of who you are. You got to deal with it. But there's a greater power in you that you actually can live from. You know, typical religion would just say, heaven's out there. It's over there. One day in the sweet by and by, you're going to get there. But no, the power of the reality of heaven is in us now. And we not only can we live from that power and experience transformation. I love what, um, Cody, you were singing. I can't remember exactly how you said it, and I'm sure it was just inspired in the moment, but you were saying that uh, the, the, the racing mind he brings peace to. Do you remember how you said that? I don't know if you, if you have the... Yeah. I'm going to go back and watch that worship, sir, because that was really speaking to me how you said that. But it's true. You face anxiety. Listen, listen to me, please. I'm rambling, but listen to this part. You can change. You don't have to stay stuck in anxiety. You don't have to stay stuck in fear and confusion and anger and bitterness and hurt. The power of God in you can make a difference in your life. I'm telling you the truth. I have experienced it. How many of you have experienced transformation? Everybody should raise their hands, I hope. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Christianity, the church and the ministry of church has, has really kind of just been about self-improvement. But there's a world out there that doesn't know the character of God. There's a world out there that's being told God is going to give you a disease so that you will learn a lesson. You're not going to know what that lesson is. Just trust that that disease is good for you. Isn't that, isn't that barbaric? It doesn't make sense for one thing. It's bad theology. God's going to let you suffer a little while. Well, this, any suffering that you might do that God has anything to do with is the persecution of your faith. You might experience suffering. You might experience difficulties in this life. You're going to experience difficulties. But any kind of suffering that God is remotely connected to is if he calls you into an area that you are persecuted for your faith and you experience challenges, pain, loss, even unto the loss of life. That might happen. But it's not you suffering through those things that get you closer to him or get you more sanctified or get you more holy or more pure. Only the blood of Christ can do in you what God needs from you. Amen? Amen? And the more you become assured of that, you can just rest. The striving goes away. You quit, you quit evaluating every circumstance in life, wondering what God is doing. Aren't you sick of that? Do you, do you know people? And they're constantly, it's like, they're, it's like, it's witchcraft, really, to try to read the circumstances of life to determine God's will. Meaning, uh, and I'm not calling you out, but some of you have this experience laying down tarot cards or, you know, going to palm readers. I, I about asked you if you'd ever been to a palm reader. Don't raise your hand on that. Calling psychics, you know, flipping. Well, I'm not going to use that example. Some of that stuff where spirits can get involved, but, but you're looking externally to 
to the broken physical world to tell you who God is. No, look to Jesus to tell you who God is. Look to heaven to know God's will. And if you're going to be confused, be confused about how, what you need to do internally to reshape yourself to believe that that's possible for you until you hold on to it long enough and you experience in your life. If you want to be confused about anything, work that stuff out. How do I work out trusting him? Because I know this is what he wants. It's evident. I see the perfect garden in the beginning. I see perfect heaven in the end at the restoration of all things. And in between, we have Jesus who is bringing heaven and earth together. Ultimate reconciliation of all things. Now, the term ultimate reconciliation, I'm not trying to say everybody will be saved. There's still a decision. There's still a separation in the end. But the world, I mean, it's like, it's like the church isn't preaching it because the world doesn't know it. You know, you go out on the street and you ask people, what do you think about Christians? It's not good. I mean, honestly, think about it. It's not good. We don't have the best reputation. And I, I want to change that because we should, because our dad's a good God. Amen? Amen? So you have been raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places. Now, that does mean in his resurrection that you have experienced uh, a freedom over death and sin. This body will die, but you will live. You are not this body. This body will die, but you will live. If you pop out of your body right now, that will live forever. And that's who you are right now. That's who I'm talking to. I'm not looking at your uh, gray hair or no hair. I'm not looking at your attitudinal self. I'm not looking at your somebody that's struggling with this or that. I'm looking at your spirit, and I'm talking to you, and I'm saying, you are perfect in Christ. And the sooner you believe it, the better your life will be in spite of the external circumstances. And the world doesn't know that. The world doesn't know that. It's hard for, to believe. I mean, it's hard to believe for us sometimes, isn't it? I'm perfect, really? If you have trouble with that, you're self-righteous. <laughs> if you have trouble believing that you are righteous and perfect now, first off, you're not thinking of yourself in terms of who you are in spirit, but you're also thinking that your behavior affects your standing with God. And it's time to stop. Well, so should we continue in sin? I feel like I've done this throughout this whole series. But it's like, I'm going to put a sign up, Romans 6. If you hear this and you think, well, what about sin? What about sin? I don't want to sin, do you? Well, why are you asking me about it then? No, God forbid, no. Don't sin. Don't sin. It'll bring death and destruction in your life. Don't sin. I mean, he even says it in John. Don't sin. But if you do, remember, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, meaning he's already taken care of that sin for you. Now, does that make you want to run out and sin? Not me. That makes me want to guard my heart and protect the work that he's done. Amen? Now, that's, that, is, that is what we need to go out. Knowing that about ourselves and looking at other people in that light, we need to go into the world. 
leading with love, leading with kindness and compassion. Amen? Because the world is sick of the church leading with judgment and self-righteousness and doctrinal hammers smacking people upside the head, you know, trying to be right, doctrinal. So, so your perspective of who God is and what he thinks about other people will affect how you minister to other people. So today I wanted to do some reshaping. You know, we, we, we've talked a lot about our own identity. We've talked about what he did, what happened in us, who we are now in him. Now I want to talk about our role toward the world. Ultimately, th this one idea, if you walk out of here, you don't remember anything I said, remember this one thing. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Say, I have the ministry of reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? I have it in here in my notes somewhere. Do you see it? Oh, here it is. This is what reconciliation means. The restoration of friendly relations. That's what reconciliation means. Now, why am I talking about reconciliation? Let me tell you a story first, and then we'll look at some scripture. This is funny. And I hope some of my neighbors aren't watching today because I'm going to tell on them. Uh, we had a thing happen. Sarah knows where I'm about to go. And, and, and uh, it's uh, with our neighborhood. Anybody have neighborhood associations? Yeah, one. Uh, neighborhood. This is, a, this is a neighborhood association. So they, they've asked us to be on the board of our neighborhood because we walk in the neighborhood. What is there? How many neighborhoods are homes are there? 50, 60 maybe homes? It's not that big, but it's big enough. And it's about a mile walk and we walk and we know a lot of the people and we wave and we say hello and everybody loves our dog and uh, so they're like well naturally you should be on the HOA board I'm like no <laughs> absolutely no why because I know what that will do to my mind I want to walk through the neighborhood and just enjoy a conversation have fun watching the dog chase squirrels listen to an audio book enjoy the day. I don't want to walk through the neighborhood looking at somebody's yard going, well, they need to do that. They need to send a letter. Oh, my gosh, look at that. Well, I tell you what, well, who should we pick for yard of the month this week? I don't want to think that way. I don't want that to be my filter. I want to see the people and wave at, their, wave at them, not look at their broken down flower bed and say, you need to get those weeds out of there. And it would do that. I don't care who you are. You put a particular lens on, you're going to see through that lens. We all have lenses. The church has the lens that the world is dark and everybody's a sinner. And now it's not necessarily wrong, it's just what's the solution for that? The lens that the church has particularly had is, I need to convince you that you're a sinner. Because if I can convince you that you're a sinner, then maybe you'll humble yourself enough and, and apologize to God for how big of a sinner that you are, and then he'll forgive you. And that's just not actually accurate. It, yes, people need to be born again. People need to receive, you know, the Spirit. You either have the Spirit or you don't. If you have the Spirit, you have all of God. But the church has generally looked at the world as, as enemies of God, you know, people that God is angry with, people that we need to convince them 
that you're wrong and your behavior and you can't choose your gender and you're killing babies and you voted for the wrong president and you're not waving the flag and you don't do this and you should do this and Christians should care about this. You don't care about that? Look at the world. Isn't that what you're hearing? It's like, let's make enemies out of everybody. And God's trying to make children. God's trying to reconcile with people. God's trying to draw people into his family. The church is the HOA board walking through the world, pointing out everybody's problems. Well, you're not doing this right, and you're not doing this right, and I need to convince you that you're not doing this right. And listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to send you a letter, and I'm going to be mean to you, and I'm not going to wave them. I'm going to kind of wave when I walk by. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're not doing a good job. We're not doing a good job. When really, the message that we carry, it's pretty simple. Let me just show you a few passages here. Starting with this idea, this is 2 Corinthians 5, starting in 5.16. And I think this speaks to that lens of how we see people. Really, first and foremost, how you see yourself in light of the finished work of Christ, and then how you see people, okay? Allow this, what we're about to do today, to forever change how you look at people. And, and don't be mad at the legalist Christian that thinks that they're on the HOA board of heaven and needs to go around and point out everybody's wrongs. I mean, seriously, isn't that... Isn't that I mean, I was, when that, this happened and I was like, what a great illustration. The ch legalistic church is... Anyway, you, make, you get the point. Let me keep going here. 2 Corinthians 5.16, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. What? No, we're supposed to point out everybody's sin. Is sin okay? No. Are we trying to create an atmosphere of permissiveness? No. We're, we're, we're just trying to lead with the same way that God led toward people. God so loved the world that he gave. Even, before, even while we were dead in our sin, Christ died for us. Right? God walks through the neighborhood happy, in a good mood, wanting to connect with people. No longer do we regard anyone according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him, thus no longer. Would you click advance for me through there, please, Philip? Thank you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, say now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. He's restored friendly relations. He has reconciled us to himself. All right, so who's doing the reconciling here? God's doing the reconciling, and he's reconciled things with us. Now, what you're about to see is we need to reconcile things with him. The path is clear. Forgiveness is already offered in the blood of Christ. God is extending the hand of mercy and reconciliation to anyone and everyone who will believe. And it's up to that person to then reach out and receive that offer of reconciliation and restored relationship, otherwise known as righteousness. So how do we convince people to want to reach back out to him, to reconcile themselves to him? God's reconciled himself toward us. In other words, everybody, 
The whole world God has reconciled himself with. He, he wiped out everything that he had against us in Christ. He has reconciled himself to us. Now, our job is to go into the world and convince people God is so good and so loving, it's safe to go to him. Go and reconcile yourself to him. Amen? All right, so, uh, and has given us the ministry. Well, let me just read it. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You have the ministry of reconciliation. That is, watch this. It's amazing. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them or against them. Now, in Colossians 2, we see that Jesus nailed the law or the handwriting of ordinances, as it said, that was against you to his cross. So the, the standard of performing your way into acceptance with God was nailed to his cross because all that could ever do was point out to you, you can't do it on your own. You need Christ. Amen? And so now because of that, this is where we are. God is not holding the world. Think about this, that God was uh, in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their See, because before he said us, he's talking about us as new Christians. Now he's talking about the ministry that you walk in as a, you, the Christian, you, the righteous one, you, the one that has received reconciliation. Now there's a there. So it's a, another group of people, those that are not, those that do not have the spirit, those who are not Christian or born again or however we want to say it. Um, uh, those people, he's in not imputing their trespasses or sins against them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You know, we saw it a little bit in Lynn. Lynn was reminded this woman, he's like, look, you know, God loves you. Jesus died for you. You have him in your life and things can get better. What more can you ask for? And it changed her perspective. I love that. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Next verse, please. Oh, uh, yeah. Now then, we are ambassadors. You know what ambassador is? Like if you're an ambassador to another nation, while you're in that nation, a foreign nation, you are actually not subjected to that nation's laws in terms of how they do things. You are kind of protected. You, you are, there's probably better language for this, but you are under your home nation's laws in that place. I'm not saying you can go over there and break their laws. I'm just saying you go over there to foreign nations to represent your nation. We are ambassadors of heaven. Say, I'm an ambassador of heaven. So we are ambassadors. Now, an ambassador is equipped with authority and power. An ambassador has the capacity to go and make decisions and make deals and communicate and talk and say, my home country is offering this to you. Would you like to receive and cooperate with us? That's what we're doing. We represent heaven. We go into the world and we say, we are offering to you a right relationship with God through Christ. Do you want it? Now, here's what you do. You say yes to him. And we're equipped with all sorts of incredible power, gifts. First off, leading with love toward people. I'm talking to not an army but I'm talking to a family of people, the family of God, who are charged with going out into that world and telling people how good God is. 
showing people, walking in your ministry, walking in your ministry of reconciliation, that you have the capacity to go into the world and say, hey, let me tell you, God's not mad at you. God's not holding your sin against you. That thing that you're doing that your grandma thinks that you're going to hell over, that's, thing, that's not what's going to send you to hell. You not receiving Christ is what's going to send you to hell. So I'm not saying you just get to get saved and continue in your sin, but what I'm saying is God's better than you realize. Life with Him is good. And once you are there, you got to catch the fish first before you clean it, right? The church thinks we got to clean the fish up. we got to convince the fish that it needs to be cleaned. <laughs> that was not tongues. That was... <laughs> this is our job. This is our job. Last verse in this section, 21. For he made him who knew no sin. And this is really what this whole series has been based on. And it's the anchor point of why you should walk in the ministry of reconciliation. It's the anchor point of why you can go into the world and legally represent the heart of heaven and tell people, God's not holding your sin against you. Be reconciled to God. And oh, by the way, once you do, you're going to change. You're going to experience such a transformation that you're alive. You're going to look back and think, oh, I didn't know it was going to be this. I was just trying to get saved and not going to hell. I didn't know I would overcome sin and fear and de- anxiety and sin, all this stuff. On the That's a bonus, right? He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Say, I am righteous. Now, if you have trouble saying that, you think your behavior affects your righteousness. It doesn't. You are in God's family because of the blood of Christ. Now, of course you should experience transformation. Of course you should experience fruit and turn toward godliness and turn away from sin and all that stuff. But, but that is not the mark of you becoming more righteous, all right? So just a couple of the filters, you know, we're talking about filters. We don't want to be the HOA board of heaven. We want to be the friendly neighbor. We want to be the one that's showing up with the cookies and the welcome to the uh, neighborhood and, you know, listen, it's good in this neighborhood. You should want to be in this neighborhood. We're good people. We're friendly people. The, The one that runs it is not mad. You know, you get the point. All right, so how can we say God's not mad at you? This is Isaiah 54. Right after Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 is a, is a very prophetic passage about what the Messiah would experience on the cross, the exchange. And he talks about the new covenant that would be established, this new covenant within which you get a new heart, God puts his spirit in you, and God no longer holds your sin against you. Now, to a Jew, that was incredible news because their entire life was couched in offering sacrifices to appease God's anger toward their sin. You're telling me that I don't have to, I'm not going to have to do that anymore, that God's never mad with me and his wrath toward sin is never going to have to be appeased again? That's what I'm telling you. Why? And this, so this is what he says. For, so this is Isaiah prophesying about the new covenant. Uh, for, and he's talking to Jews, the Israelites, who were his first chosen and elect people, but then now it's for all who will believe, right? Galatians 3 goes through that. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. Put that lens on when you go into the world. I'm, I'm seeking to gather with great mercy. 
With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with ever... Now, this is when God takes the time to speak and define himself, that's how we must see him. You don't have the right to make things up about God that he's not saying about himself. You have the legal obligation to believe about God what he says about himself. Are you with me? Because like we read these things, but then traditional Christianity still makes up beliefs based on circumstances. Your beliefs must come from the Word of God, especially when God is saying, let me tell you who I am. Pay attention to that stuff. Allow those statements to shape how you see God. And here he says, with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. That's the message of ministry. That's the ministry of reconciliation we go into the world with. Uh, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like... For this is like the water, so this meaning his loving kindness, his everlasting loving kindness, the, the sacrifice of the Messiah. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. In other words, it happened once and he promised it'll never happen again. Uh, what will never happen again? For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. God is not mad at you for the mountains and so then he then he kind of just gives a little hyperbole to show you how serious he is about it for the mountains shall depart and the hill i mean it's kind of god being dramatic he says something he's like listen let me tell you how serious the mountains are going to depart and the hills will be removed but my that loving kindness that i just told you about that will never go you see that mountain over there how many of you like to climb mountains Y'all pray for us, by the way, because Sydney, our daughter who just turned 20, is considering Karis in Colorado. That's Andrew Womack's school. So, who just turned 20, by the way. I meant to mention everybody's birthdays. Chris and Callie are having a birthday. Tony's got a brain. Any, any other birthdays? Happy birthday. All right, then let me preach. Squirrel. God's loving kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. I'm going to go back to this. God, this is God saying, as a result of the cross, I will not be angry with you. That's why Paul in 2 Corinthians then comes and says, your ministry is to declare this. Your ministry is to go into the world and declare God is not angry with you. It's safe to come to Him. Be reconciled to Him. And I'm telling you, that's good news for people. You guys sit here. So Heidi and Courtney were down here, and one of the things that they've been doing as they plant their church, because they meet on Saturday nights, they've been going to some other churches on Sundays. And Heidi said, she said, you know, gosh, you forget what's actually being preached out there. She said, you get down here and you get in a bubble and you hear the good news all the time, and you forget people are preaching mixture. I'm not trying to attack the church. I'm really not. I love the church. I just wish the church would preach this side of the cross. So, a little bit more of the shaping of um, our lens. Sin, it's easy to see sin. Now, this, this is a word for some of you that maybe still have a little bit of a legalistic, pharisaical approach. Maybe, maybe it's for somebody online because you guys are all sweet as candy in this room, I know. But you, you still have that HOA board of heaven mindset 
where you're looking at the world and you're angered. I mean, it robs your joy what people are doing in this world. Now, I'm not saying you should just, meh, give up. I'm not saying you shouldn't care about things and have issues that you are important. God might even call you to stand for something. But do it in love toward whoever your opposition is, right? Put on the lens that God has forgiven this person. I don't care if they're the darkest abortionist doctor who's doing the craziest, weirdest things that you can imagine. Jesus died for that person. God loves that person. He's just itching for them to experience His goodness. And it might be you that shows Him how good God is. Are you with me? Despising what they're doing, despising and hating what they're doing. But man, you've got to look deeper. You've got to put on that, that filter of what Jesus... I mean, how did Jesus feel about that person when He was dying for them on the cross? We're not walking around the world looking for where people are in error. We're we're in the mind of Christ because you know you have the mind of Christ. We're in the mind of Christ who, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross. Is that how you see people? Or are you looking at them thinking, you're the problem, you're the reason for my pain, You're the reason the world looks like it does. That might be true, but how would Jesus look at them? He's hanging there, looking at them, thinking, no, I so badly want this person in my family. I'm doing this for them. I mean, before you leave your home, put on this filter of looking toward people from the mindset of Christ, dying for them, even while they're dead in their sin. They don't know. They don't know. How else are they going to know? Yes, we want to preserve the sanctity of marriage. Yes, abortion is horrific. Yes, there are two genders. Yes, there is a clear sexuality of how God created us. Of course, all of that stuff. But really picking fights from that perspective, it does nothing. It does nothing. Because it's like trying to tell a fish that it stinks before you get it in the boat. It's just going to swim away. You ever tried to catch a fish with your hands? Now some of you literal people are like, well, yeah, I've caught a fish with my hands. (laughs) Now the works of the flesh are evident. It's easy to point out sin. It's easy to point out sin. Works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. It's easy to call people idiots when we're driving in our cars and they take your parking spot and they, somebody cuts in front of you at the grocery line. It's easy to say, you dummy, when your kid does something stupid. Or even for yourself, it's easy to be hard on yourself, isn't it? it I mean, really. Envy, murderers, drunkenness, revilers, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's not a statement of salvation. It's talking about a a different thing, but I'm going to keep going. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, uh, gentleness, self-control, 
Against such, there is no law. Now, what's he saying here? What's he saying here? It's not illegal to be merciful. Think about that for just a minute. We think we owe it to the world to go tell them you're going to hell without Jesus. And that is a reality, but it's the HOA board of heaven mindset where you're pointing out the faults. It's not illegal to lead with love and compassion and kindness and mercy. Why? I think I skipped one. Nope, I didn't. Therefore, ready? This is to you. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O oh man, whoever you are who judge. For in what, this is Romans 2, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. There's actually a psychological mechanism that where you struggle, you see it in other people. And, and you, you get angry at other people for the things that you're struggling with. Not every time. I'm not saying if you're angry towards someone with a particular sin that you secretly desire it. I'm just saying this is a mechanism that is partially there. But he's, the point is, don't judge, he says. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? That's God's judgment. Like, like we feel that that's a strong statement. But God's judgment is you can't do it on your own. Now I see you in Christ. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Are we to just make excuse for sin? No. Are we to never address sin in someone's life? No. Scripture says if you see somebody trapped in sin or a fault and you don't go, any, you don't go to them, it's worse for you. Of course we confront. Of course we address. But we do it with the lens of God loves this person. The only message that I have been tasked with is to go to people and tell them, God is not mad at you. God is not holding your sin against you. Now be ready because if there's a legalistic, pharisaical, HOA, heaven board mindset around, they're going to want to jump in and convince this person that it stinks before we clean them up. You got to admit it. But this is our, it's, it's really pretty simple, right? But it's just so clear. The ministry of reconciliation we have to go into the world and tell people, God's not holding your sin against you. It's safe to come to Him. Be reconciled to God. Would you like to know how? It's very easy. He made it so easy because of His great love for you. Even when you're dead in your sin, He died for you. It's not about you apologizing to Him and feeling so sorry and down and worthless. A lot of people, when they get saved, they don't realize how scummy they are. You kind of don't even really realize it until you get that spirit in you and it starts convicting you of your righteousness. Then you realize, well, man, gosh, that's that's pretty embarrassing. You know what I mean? You're not going to win very... I mean, I got saved because I was scared of going to hell. But it got better than that. It was just the circumstances. And unfortunately, that's the primary tactic that the, the church uses. 
but it's his goodness that leads people to repentance. Amen? So here's the picture. When, I, when you leave your house each morning, you are walking through the earth, and you are not looking for the problems that people have in their lives. You are looking for a way to be a bridge maker. You are opening your heart and your life for opportunities to tell people, God actually likes you. God wants you in his family. God's not holding your sin and God is not angry with you. Now, you might not meet a stranger and you just look at him and say, God's not mad at you. And, you know, but I'm saying in general, this is the lens that we have toward people. How would that change your social media experience? Some of y'all need to quit sharing all that stuff. That's a whole other thing. Are you with me? The the world's got to know. I I have a passion within me for this body to be such a voice of the goodness of God in this community and go into this community and set people free from being afraid of God, from not knowing God's love for them, not knowing that you can be free in Him, that you can just rest, not afraid of if you're going to make too many mistakes. Man, I'm telling you, down in this, the practical aspect of life, people don't, people don't have a positive experience with Christianity. They don't have a positive experience of living their life with God. And, I, you know, I want to crush that. I just want to break that mindset down because people are awesome and deserve to be free and happy. Doesn't mean everything's going to perfectly work out in life. It just means, you know, have the power and the, 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 the atmosphere of heaven can be really your experience of life. Amen? So that doesn't mean you need to go door knocking. If God tells you to go door knocking, go door knocking. Yeah, you, you blanketed all of Summer Grove. You should hear Glenn's story. He was... Uh, a, a door knocking machine. I've done door knocking and seen, I mean, you know, first year that I knew what I was doing, probably led a couple hundred people to the Lord in Atlanta, just going out and Buckhead, getting drunks saved. Because uh, the world needs to know you carry the ministry of reconciliation. Go tell people. Amen? All right, let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. Just keep your attention on Him. Now, take this, you know, don't beat yourself up if you're mad at the whole world because they're not doing right. And just kind of let it work in you for just a minute. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we see people the way that you see people. I'm willing to take the ministry of reconciliation as my task in your body, not to earn anything from you, but because I'm so happy to be in your kingdom, I want to go tell other people how good you are. And I'm committed to that. I will look for opportunities to be a blessing to others. I will look for opportunities to tell people God's not holding your sin against you. I will look for opportunities to give hope to people because I'm confident in who you are. All I want to do is tell people about you. That's all I want. I just want to tell people about you. doesn't have anything to do with me. I just want people to know you. Thank you for opportunities to do that. 
Are there anybody in this room today that needs it? If you, if you need prayer for anything, healing or any kind of thing like that, if you, if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time or you are a believer and you'd like to experience the gifts working through your life, any of that kind of stuff, make your way up to these guys and girls up here. They'll pray with you. Father, we just thank you. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Thank you that you're bringing financial blessing into our lives so that we can be a blessing. Father, thank you that we're coming out of debt or walking out of disease and sickness and fear and anxiety. Even in this moment, your spirit is working inside of us. The power of your spirit changing things inside of us. We trust you and we love you. Father, thank you for your grace that's alive and active. In Jesus' name.